Hello, podcast world. Welcome to Vicarious Living, a show about a couple Midwest dudes breaking down all the beauty that is teen drama TV. are back. Their game is as good as ever. Haven't you guys been training in the offseason? I know we forgot something. But they're adding some new players. And now, they're heading to California for the World Championships. This year, the team to beat is Iceland. We'll see you on the ice. Ice is bigger. Stronger. But if they want to go for the gold, they'll have to learn to become a team again. Bring them on, we're ready. Emilio Estevez. Stand tall. Fly straight. USA. D2, the Mighty Ducks are back. Welcome to Vicarious Living. Welcome back to the podcast. Housekeeping. So the kids know where to find us. Gmail. Vicarious Living Pod at gmail.com and Vicarious Living Podcast on the Instagram. Go there for all of our good shit. You can even find our swag there. But more importantly, this evening's guest. He's the resident kid sports movie expert as this marks his second such film on the VL podcast. He also lives non-vicariously through the teen kids as he spends his day job molding young minds of the future. Put your hockey sticks to ice as we welcome in our next prestigious guest, Hank M. You, man. That was awesome. I'm fired up about putting our sticks on the ice. That's something I've never done in sports that I would love to do. Stick sports seem tight. Yeah, we'll we'll get into stick sports stuff because um, I feel like this movie, which I want you to announce right now. Mighty Ducks D2. I think it's just D2, honestly. Yes, this movie prompted a lot of stick sport stuff when I was younger, and I'm sure it's probably the same for you. Uh, first exposure to hockey, maybe we used to play in my, I guess I did. We played rollerblade hockey in my basement. Pretty hardcore. Pat busted open his head one time. Yeah. I don't think it, cause Cincinnati, Ohio is not like people weren't really playing ice hockey ever, but then these movies came out and I feel like everyone got rollerblades and was just playing street hockey. Yes. On the rollerblades, dude. I thought that during that mall montage that I'm sure we'll talk about. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, we should uh, have this conversation, though, about why we did D2 instead of D1 or 3. Yeah, we should. That was a tough call. It was really tough. I mean, D1 is where it all started, so it was difficult to not go there. But I just think D2 
I have the most nostalgic memories of the D2 experience than the other ones. I had D1 on VHS tape, so I watched that one more growing up. D2 was only like if you catch it on TV sort of situation for me. See, I never had D1. Um, I don't think I had ever really seen it. And it might be because 92, we were, what, five. That's still pretty young. 94, though, that's when we are like, first, second grade, and I was clocking D2 pretty hard when that came out, 94. This will hit right for that age demographic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This uh, Now, some kid movies don't translate as you get older. I would give this one, like... I'd give it like a B in terms of translating to, cause you know, we'll get into it, but there's definitely some moments where it's like, Oh shit, that did not translate now at 33 as it did when I saw it, you know, back at seven and a half. But I still had a lot of those like chill moments or like getting all jacked. This movie has a ton of montages in it. That'll get you fired up like that. Right. So that's why I still give it like a B in terms of translatability, if that's a word. I So we can use as a measuring stick Little Giants, the last sports for kids movie that I did here. I feel like Little Giants holds up better as a film here. I agree. D2, like I said, tons of montages, higher entertainment value, I suppose. The original question was choosing this D1, D3. I think D1 probably holds up better as a film as well, but this is more star-studded cast, more diverse team, more blockbuster value, I guess. It This is the most blockbuster value. I think D3, I was saying, maybe do D3 because it's just like comically bad and it'd be funny to do a podcast like just laughing at it kind of thing. And Charlie Conway in D3 is like on another level in terms of like Ryan Phillippe status. Aren't I don't know that what that means, but aren't they like at a prep school or something? I just yeah. remembered. They they go into like a prep high school and, and there's the varsity team and they come in as the JV Ducks. And, you know, there's a whole bunch of there's like a rivalry with the seniors and stuff. That might have been that actually might have been funny, but I tried watching that movie. And as I recall, it's somewhat unwatchable, but... I didn't. I didn't think it was as, as unwatchable as you, but um, it's definitely. It doesn't have the. I think you said blockbuster. I think D two has the most blockbuster like entertainment value. So I feel like we picked the best one of the three. But I'm sure as we go through this podcast, we're going to touch on different moments from D one and D three as well of the of the trilogy. Um, rich lore. Yes, okay. very filthy rich lore. <laughs> I agree. The other thing you mentioned. You know, Little Giants, I'd say that's an A plus for this worked when we were seven. It also definitely works when we're 33. Now, not one time. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, I think there's movies like Surf Ninjas where God, that movie rocked ass at seven. (laughs) Yeah, it did. And if you go back and try and rewatch that now, it is you might not make it through 27 minutes without vomiting taking a dump all over the tv screen and then throwing your tv out the window i don't know if you'll make it to 28 minutes that's sad yeah so i would put this like it's not fully little giants but it's it's closer than than like a surf ninja yeah it's solid it's solid yeah when if we do the rotten tomato scores or whatever i don't remember what little giants was but i'd like guess i don't know like eight to ten points under that 
let's do that now. Let's uh, let's guess Rotten Tomatoes for this movie. I actually did see it, so I can't guess. But why don't you make I was, a guess? I was way high on Little Giants, as I recall. I don't have much of a calibration for these things. I'm going to go 56. D2 Mighty Ducks. Audience score 59, so you are very close there. But way off on the main critic score. I was going audience there. Okay. Critics? You were actually going audience there? Yeah, what do most people do? Most people guess the the main score, the critic scores. Fuck the the critics, dude. Okay, so you, you... you think the audience? <laughs> wouldn't you think the audience was like in the eighties? I mean, people love this movie. That's what I thought for Little Giants, and I was way off. So right. I think my I think fifty six is actually a good grade on this scale, even though it doesn't sound like it. Okay, just to refresh, Little Giants was sixty three with the audience, so similar, and thirty six with the critics. So knowing that, if D two is 59 with the audience where do you think the critics are what was the critics on little little giants 36 uh i think the critics slammed this one i'm gonna give it two 22s in my shoes just you are you are very close my friend 20 percent rotten i'm usually not good with numbers i'm pretty fired up right now let's see what mighty ducks one got i would expect that one to have done better with critics audience i don't know wow 21 on Mighty Ducks 1. What the fuck? From the critics? Yeah. Fuck the critics. 65 with the people. The people know. That's why I went with the people, man. The critics. Okay, now final. D3. This is the one we thought was poo. 20%. All of the the Mighty Duck movies with the critics. Get fucked, critics. Yeah. They're all in the low 20s. We shouldn't even look at your score. And audience, though, it is lower 45 on D3. Unfavorable on both counts. So they're they're essentially saying one was the best, two, and three, whatever. Um, but anyways, this movie, 1994, directed by Sam Weissman and written by Stephen Brill. Um, Stephen Brill, interesting because he also wrote Heavyweights, which we did on this pod. little fun fact, there was a cameo. I don't know if you noticed in D2, one of the waitresses um, at one of the banquets they were at in D2 is actually the main woman in heavyweights. Did not notice that. Yeah. Clocked it hard. Same writer. Probably probably snagged her up. She is attractive. Very attractive. By the way, interesting fun fact on Stephen Brill, the writer. He tried to make himself Gordon Bombay in this movie. Stephen. Stephen, boo. Stephen. Boo, Stephen. You are not Gordon Bombay. Yeah, he doesn't get it. He didn't get it. They, The studio said no to him because he wasn't, you know, he's no Emilio Estevez. It's just simple. I hope we do get to talk about Bombay. I think we might have similar underwhelmed feelings with him a little bit in this particular film. I mean, it's sacrilegious for you to say that, but yes, 100%. Let's... I don't want to say it. It tears me to pieces to be saying that. It tears me to pieces. It doesn't make me feel good. Uh-uh. Wait on him a sec. Right. Um, a little more here before we get to that. One being the plot. If you haven't seen this movie, I don't know what you're doing, but... The plot reads, Gordon Bombay is forced to withdraw from the minor hockey league with a knee injury. Cheap shot. Cheap shot galore. Much to his surprise, he is given the job of coach of Team USA Hockey for the Junior Goodwill Games in California. 
With most of the Ducks and a few new players in tow, he sets forth for L.A. All appears to be going well for a while, but the hype of Hollywood starts to get to Gordon, and he is distracted when Iceland, the favorites to win the title, appear on the scene. D2, Mighty Ducks. Plot. Pretty good description. We got the exposition, backstory. We got the conflict. Yeah. Iceland... How did you feel about Iceland being the, like, the villains as a nation? I, dude, I should have looked up some stuff about Iceland before this. We're about to sound super ignorant about Iceland. Um, I think the conflict is more complex than just Iceland being the villain. Gordon Bombay also gets caught up in, like, the, the business aspect of things. He gets lost in the sauce a little bit, as the kids might say. Um, and the, comple- the conflict for the ducks as well is one of identity when they become team USA instead of the ducks. So identity, I think identity is at the core of this main conflict, man versus self more than it's the ducks versus Iceland. Good point. And we'll definitely, definitely get more into that because as this movie unfolds, it's this whole thing about you can't lose yourself. You cannot lose yourself. You might be, you might lose the game. That's okay. But do not lose yourself in the process. That's why I think this one's a good movie for the dads. More Usually you do stuff for the kids here. Oh, yeah. But the dads for teaching their kids, like, hey, sports can be fun. Yeah. I mean, that that's why it's such a kid's movie because it essentially strips all of the, like, you have to put a lot of hours and, like, effort and <laughs> blood, sweat, and tears into becoming a great athlete. This movie, it kind of makes it just seem like, the number one ingredient to becoming the greatest hockey team of all time is to just have so much fun. Just like rope each other, lasso each other at hockey practice. That is 98% of what makes you good at hockey. And then 2% is like skill and talent and like raw athletic ability. But 98 Mostly, yeah. is just fun. On the, uh, on the Iceland thing, though, first fun fact, initially Russia was considered as uh, playing the antagonist country of this film uh but given the relations between the u.s and russia had approved you know the 80s it was it was uh cold war was a long long thing yeah and that that went when was the cold war over well it all it all i'm not a history buff but it all ended when the berlin wall came down in 89 you're just so nervous and uncomfortable talking about so nervous (laughs) but i'm i'm pretty sure it started in the 60s with like all the cuban missile crisis stuff i think it was even as early as the late 50s but go ahead it could be but i know that it was definitely like around in the 60s with JFK and the Cuban Missile Crisis. And I think it went through the 80s with like all that USSR stuff. And then Cold War. Reagan fixed it? Cold War, all the nukes. I don't know. Fuck, dude. It ended when the Berlin Wall came down. That was 89. (laughs) 89. And this movie was 94. So I think they were like, all right, we're five years into shit being cool now with these countries. Let's just choose one of the sweetest countries in the world, Iceland. Yeah. Switzerland. <laughs> yeah, like just they just grabbed a nice country. Nice and peaceful. Um, um, yeah, Russia would have been the obvious choice. Is that that was the team in Miracle that we went against, right? Other hockey. Yeah, movies? and that was in the eighties when like shit was like real bad. Okay, good choice, uh, Stephen, making that choice. Second fun fact: When the Anaheim Mighty Ducks were added as an expansion team to the NHL, they were named after the movie because both were owned by Disney. Whoa. However, prior to the 06 season, the 
Ducks dropped mighty from their name, and now they're just the Anaheim Ducks. I would say that was a poor decision. Yeah, why would you not want to be mighty? I don't know why. I mean, Mighty Ducks is so classic badass. I don't... Yeah, Anaheim Ducks just sounds lame. And if you actually look at their logo now, the uh, Anaheim Ducks logo, it's so much lamer than like that cool Mighty Ducks with like that white face mask. And they're like they're like purple. They're like purple and silver, right? They they abandoned the green and yellow. Uh, I'll show you. Yeah. So this was this is the old logo and the you know that one. Yep. That's what I would picture if I was trying to imagine their logo now. And then the look at that. I mean, these are their logos now. They're just like italicized. I think that's a duck foot. I think it is. Good call. They made the the D the duck foot. But, dude, that sucks. Do less. Do less. That is so lame. I mean, Mighty Ducks over duck footprints all day, dude. That looks like Duck Dynasty. Does Duck Dynasty have a logo like that? No. (laughs) (laughs) Next one. The original premise of Mighty Ducks was actually much darker than this. It wasn't a kid's movie. Ooh. Um, Color me interested. It was about an ex-NHL player turned alcoholic who seeks revenge on his old coach by coaching opposite him. The main idea stayed with Disney. Uh, That movie does not have a clear hero. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I guess it would just be maybe like a Breaking Bad situation where it's like this guy is... Anti-hero. Yeah, an anti-hero or whatever. People like that. I mean, Bombay, he, he he did some drinking in the first movie. Yeah, that but that was it really centered on his drinking um, because he had to do the community service for the DUI and that's how he started coaching the kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess they kept some elements of it, but it was just more dark. Yeah, I mean, that might be still cool. Yeah, I know they actually they just have you seen that they're doing a new Mighty Ducks on like Disney Plus. It's a new series. It's a fresh take on it. I don't think so. That reminds me like just fresh takes of movies from this era, like Cobra Kai. Have you seen Cobra Kai? Mm-mm. You should. It's pretty cool. Um, no, I know. I've, I've heard it's pretty good. Um, the uh, casting what ifs on this movie, two big ones, dude. Two guys who actually auditioned for the role of Charlie Conway, but lost out to Joshua Jackson, a.k.a. Pacey from Dawson's Creek. Mm, dreamy. Jake Gyllenhaal. Gyllenhaal. G- Gyllenhaal. Uh, says his... Uh, sounds his, familiar. <laughs> it says his parents wouldn't let him do the movie. And then two, Leo DiCaprio. Whoa. Ever heard of him? I uh, just went from six to midnight. <laughs> I mean, insane. I guess... Wow. That, yeah, 93, 94 range. I, I already guess. liked Charlie. Can you imagine how much more I would have liked him? But he's... Well, so... I guess 92 would have been when he lost out um, to Josh Jackson. So 91 casting on that. He's still five, six years away from Titanic. When was uh, Basketball Diaries? That's the first Leo movie I, I've seen where he looks the youngest. So 91, he had still just done like TV stuff. Uh, he hadn't really done anything anything until growing pains that was 91 i think growing pains was like the first 
TV series he was uh, famous. In. And then What's Eating Gilbert Grape? That was 93. I think that was like his first big one. To your point, Basketball Diaries was 95. So, yeah, he. I mean, it makes sense that he was in the mix for, for this in, in 91, 92. Charlie, yeah, Charlie was a. Charlie did. What's his name? Joseph? Uh, Joshua Jackson. Joshua. Joshua. Yeah, Joshua did great. No, I, I can't. It's one of those roles where I. He's so iconic, Charlie Conway, that I cannot imagine anyone else playing that role now. I, he's got a great vibe in this movie. Um, I'm sure we'll talk more about him soon. Yeah, we will. Uh, last one is, I didn't know this, but cake eater, the term that's like used to put Adam Banks down, the best player on the team. Yeah. Jesse calls him a cake eater. Yeah. Um, but sometimes affectionately, but it starts out in D one. It's all just like not affectionate. No, it's you're a cake eater. Yeah. And I think it's, it always seemed like to me it's cause he's rich or whatever. Um, but it's. The term is well known throughout Minnesota and refers to people who live in the city of Edina, a suburb of Minneapolis. And a cake eater is a, is saying uh, that the person is so rich that they want their cake and eat it too. Wow, love that Minnesota knowledge. Yeah, yeah. I just never knew. I, I had always heard the term cake eater, and I had no idea that it was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. You have your cake and you want to eat it too. I get it. I like that. So yeah, Minnesota knowledge. Um, just culture, a little hockey culture. Do you know about hockey haircuts? No. There were some hockey haircuts in this movie that are starting to make a comeback with the kids today. Mullets? Yes. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Party in the back. Love that. Never knew much about hockey culture growing up in Cincinnati, as we alluded to earlier. Yeah. I think that's a part of this movie, though. I didn't notice it as much in D1, but D2 pulls some elements of hockey culture noticeably. I will say, I don't know if you saw that show so good on HBO, Beartown. Nope. It's, all of it is subtitles because it's like, I don't know what, it might be like Czech or Russian. I have no idea, but it's all subtitles and it's eight episode series um, and it actually dives into like hockey culture, like super aggressively. Cool. And one thing about it that I noticed that's also in this movie is that in hockey, everyone has to have like a very specific role of like, you're the enforcer guy. You are the speedster. You are like everyone kind of has their like niche role and it's very distinguished of like i think that's a stick sport thing lacrosse is a little bit that way too yeah where it's like hey your role is you intimidate and beat ass you're not scoring goals bud you're literally just out there to fight that's it and if you don't have everyone to fill those roles it, your team is just shit and i, I feel like in basketball is a little bit that way i mean kind of but it, it's not Everyone's got their roles, but I do feel like hockey, it's much more distinguished of like... Goal scorer. Yeah. But yeah, basketball, I mean, it's like, hey, you're the... Defender. Yeah, you're the... You, you lock down their number one. Mm-hmm. You got to yeah. have a guy who can bang in the posts. If you don't, you're going to get out physical sometime. Yeah. 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 So anyways, uh, player breakdown. Let's actually get into these guys. You got to start with coach. 
Coach Gordon Bombay. A lot of fun facts about this guy that are related to our specific city. I've dressed up as Emilio Estevez for Halloween before. What is that costume? It was uh, the Breakfast Club wrestler. Pretty lazy, just sweatpants and a sweatshirt. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought you meant like as Gordon Bombay, which I didn't know what that attire would be. We've been the Mighty Ducks for Halloween. That's a fun fact. That is true. Were you in on that? Nope. I was nerd. I dressed up like nerd. <laughs> I dressed up like a lady. <laughs> That's fun, man. I love dressing up like a chick. I've done it once. <laughs> I don't know why I wasn't in on that uh Mighty Ducks idea, but everyone was a Mighty Duck and I just put on a wig and leggings and a tube top. Rollerblading oh sorry dude. Rollerblading after a couple beers on hills is way harder than I remembered. These kids make it look easy. Yeah, I I I've been like meaning to like rollerblade. I'll, I'll go blade point. with you, man. Let's go blade. Yeah, I, I don't like that's the thing. It's like when when. Let's hit Lunkin. Yeah, we should. That is very close to us. Okay, fun fact about Emilio Estevez. Sheen versus Estevez. Let's break this down. Whoa. So I was always confused. Like, why is his dad, Martin Sheen, and Charlie Sheen, the crazy one, is his brother. He doesn't go by Estevez. Like, what's up? Like, what's going on? Yeah, what is up? So his dad, by the way, fun fact. or Fun fact inside of a fun fact. Yeah. This is, this is a uh, fun fact hot dog inside that fun fact blanket let's put some mustard on this baby so mom is born in cincinnati from cincinnati no big deal where this podcast comes from what's up dad martin sheen is from dayton so just ohio connections through the wazoo tri-state area yeah both of them dad original name is ramon antonio estevez so the family's Estevez. I guess when, at some point he decided he needed to change it, like, because his dad, Martin Sheen's an actor, and he needed, like, a stage name, he thought. So how he came up with it was a combination of a CBS casting director, Robert Dale Martin, who gave him his first break, and a Catholic televangelist, Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. I don't know what he did for him, but... Apparently those, he combined parts of their names and he made himself Martin Sheen. The son, Charlie Sheen, followed in his footsteps. Emilio, though. Emilio Estevez. The Hawaiian duck, man, I swear to God. I was like, Emilio! Ah. Emilio! Ah. <laughs> Emilio! Roxbury clip. Emilio decided that he wanted to pay homage to his roots and he did not change it i respect that that's something bombay would do that is yep good call it's probably why i got the role dude anyways i just thought it was super cool that there was that uh cincy connection you know that is cool like a lot of actors coming out of cincinnati from the same family that's pretty tight oh fuck and by the way the coolest part about it is he was uh scouting locations for a movie in 2010 loved his time here so much that he just full-on bought a house in OTR he, in 2017. He still lives in OTR, still maintains a house there, lives there. I bet people see him from time to time. Probably do. He says he loves walking around the city. And you know what he called Cincinnati? Tell me. Quote, 
the Paris of the Midwest, unquote. I don't hate that. <laughs> a couple of cafes, a couple of artists hanging out, maybe some expats. You might just bump into Hemingway. Maybe. I mean, who knows, dude? Who knows? Yeah, just wild stuff. Midnight in Paris, that's a good movie. Love Midnight in Paris. Too bad about Woody uh, Allen being a total fucking creep job. Yeah. Because that movie is rock solid. <laughs> just saying. We've talked about it on this pod. It's it, it's not allowed to be said, but, I mean, it's a good movie. I liked it. Midnight in Paris, it was an Oscar-nominated movie. It's really fucking good. The literary aspect pulled me in right off the bat. It's all about... What's that whole thing? It's uh, the fallacy, the... The like your recency bias fallacy or whatever that term is. I've heard of. There's many different types of fallacies. It's it's the whole notion of like you always assume that the prior generation was the greatest generation. Okay. But every generation feels that way. So like with with us, we might go, oh, the fucking '90s, dude. The '90s, man. The '90s were the best. No iPhones yet. Yeah. But Kids then, still played outside. If you talk to someone in the '80s. You know, they might be sitting there like, God, man, the 60s were the best. It was wild. Let your freak flag fly, my man. Yeah, the 60s. And it takes Midnight in Paris takes it all the way back of like people in the 18, you know, 90s sitting there talking about how awesome the 1820s were and shit. And it's just it's always been. I don't know if there's a term for that. There is. I got to look it up now. But you know what I mean? It's just you you look at the prior generation and you have like nostalgia for it. Okay, it says Midnight in Paris was predicated on the fallacy of wistfulness for a different time before we were actually living in the worst time ever. So there's not a name for that thing then. Um I thought it uh, Give me a sec. Is wistfulness a fallacy? I guess yeah, that's what makes it wistfulness. Is it's not true. You just want it to be. That's what makes it wistful. It, it, yeah, I don't know if it's got it, it but it, it is. It's all just about the thing of like you you romanticize the past and you have you have a difficulty coping with the present. Anyways, we could go on and on. That that movie is a whole podcast, but yeah, yeah too let's bad. Get back to the movie we're supposed to talk about. Yes, Joshua Jackson. We did an ex- team breakdown. We started the team breakdown, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, we did. So Josh Jackson, uh, Charlie Conway. Again, this guy's a staple. In this movie, he crushes hard. I we covered him very extensively on all of our Dawson's Creek pods. He's pacey, dude. He's he is the wrong side of the tracks heartbeat of Dawson's Creek. I mean, he is the guy. So we we have jerked him off metaphorically and figuratively many times. Brag on, much on this <laughs> podcast. So I'll just go to you. What are your thoughts on Charlie Conway? I love Charlie Conway. His vibe in this movie is great. There's one scene. I think it's their first game at the uh, Goodwill games. And uh, Banks is like looking up in the stands all nervously. And Charlie, like as cool as can be, sounds like a cool guy that I'd like to hang out with. It's like, you got a girl in the stands? Like, it's not sounding creepy. Just like, if you do have a girl in the stands, like, cool, let's talk about it. And Banks is like, no, there's scouts here. Town scouts. And Charlie's just like, dude, don't worry about the scouts. He's just always got his moral compass, life compass pointing in the right direction. He's all heart. That's the only thing to really say about him. Like, Charlie Conway is just all fucking heart, dude, and pure. Okay, 
pure. That's part of the main conflict. The team getting corrupted, losing their identity, becoming too big for their britches. And yeah. Charlie's just right there pulling them right back on track. Now, the thing with Charlie Conway is D1 and D2, he's this guy. And and he's he's the captain, dude. He's the captain for a reason. He's all heart. Every he's the leader of the team. Even though he, Charlie's not the best, dude. He's not that good at hockey. No, he's actually not that good at all. Banks is like the best player on the team. Everyone else, like we said, has their different roles. Banks is the best guy. Charlie kind of sucks, but he dude, fucking Spazway sucks. What? Averman. Oh yeah, Spazway. Aver- I don't. Fucking I don't understand how Averman's on this team at all. Yeah. Sorry to derail you there. But no, Charlie is just the captain, and he's the heart, and we love him so much. Um, I don't think you mentioned like Averman. I don't think there's any other main characters. I think all the rest of these guys are just like smaller characters. That's a good question. Um, would you consider anyone besides Emilio and Charlie main characters? And in this movie, no. You have Goldberg, who's, you know, the goalie. He's like the comic relief, we can just call him. A lot of fart jokes. Yeah, a lot of, fart, a lot of kid fart jokes. Um, Jesse, he's uh, the pitcher from Sandlot, by the way. He's kind of just like the... Is he like the hotshot? He kind was of? good on the Ducks team, but he barely plays in this movie. Yeah, he's kind of like the hothead, like... I'm in your face, and and I I don't think before I talk. I kind of just like get in your face, yeah. Like street kid, he gets put in the penalty box for losing his cool. Yeah, Uh, you have a couple other ones. I mean, uh, do we need Keenan Thompson comes in in this movie? He's knuckleball kid or whatever. He can hit a knuckle puck. Yeah, Um, he teaches the team. He helps them regain their enjoyment of sports after they've lost it when they go play with uh, rollerblade hockey with the LA kids. Yeah. The, all again, all these characters just play really small roles. Even uh, uh, Benny the Jet, dude from Sandlot's in this. Yeah, how Luis Mendoza? He's yeah, very fast, fast as just shit. Just a bunch of bit guys. Connie, she. I don't know if we see her play hockey. No, but Connie's interesting. A lot of crossover with her. She is Reed in the OC, who is a comic book. Uh, like agent or something in the OC. And she's also a teacher that students have sex with in the one season TV teen drama, Life as We Know It. Was she in Requiem for a Dream? I don't know. Might kind of look like her as an adult. Um, she's pretty attractive in like a cute way. Yeah. Yeah. And then it seems like the cowboy guy, Dwayne, and her have a thing by the end. By the way, fuck Dwayne. Dwayne is uh the uh, Austin kid. He like... He's like a, I don't even know what he does, dude. It's just a lot of Texas, man. It. He's like a cowboy hockey puck, like wrangler. <laughs> <laughs> he's got sweet, like puck skills. If you pull the puck off the ice and you're just like bouncing it up and down on your hockey stick. But I don't know how that translates to like actual like hockey talent. He doesn't pass. He only makes bad plays in this movie. He's a fucking showboat, dude. I mean, Dwayne. Pass the puck, bitch. <laughs> Ever. All right. Let's get out of characters. Wait, Bash Bros. Oh, yeah. A good call. Big time Bash Bro fan over here. Fulton Reed, who hits a real mean slap shot. And Dean Portman, who comes in in D2. Dean Portman, by the way, seems like 10 years older than all the kids in the cast. Yeah. They make a joke about that in the movie. They're, <laughs> they're a little aware of that. And then uh, we'll hit Julie the Cat Gaffney, goalie who only gets to play like once or twice, and Ken Wu, 
figure skater. Woo, um, woo, woo, Kenny, woo. <laughs> Team America, they did a good job in this movie, what, 94? Yeah. Of making Team America look like America. This is a Disney movie. Very diverse. Yeah. Well, yeah, you got the Asian kid, Kenny Wu. And they shouldn't get a congratulations on that, but a lot of movies at the time weren't doing that. Hey, points. Yeah. Woke points. We love that. Um, okay, let's get off of the characters and get into this actual movie break down with a hot fire song, which is big in this movie. Your big disgrace, kicking your can all over the place, singing, We will, we will rock you. We will, we will rock you. We will, we will rock you. How I'm going to go through new format on this pod is I just break the movie into 10 minute chunks and I give my biggest observation from each 10 minute chunk. It'll get us from point A to point B all the way through the plot of this movie. You chime in accordingly, Hank M. One character I'd like to add in, Michelle McKay, the teacher. Oh, yeah. A little sexual tension between her and Gordon Bombay. All right. But yeah, let's do this. Okay. Number one, first thing I noticed, initial 10-minute chunk to kick off the movie, Coach Bombay is back, dude. Lest we forget, at the end of D1, what happened was Coach Bombay, he's going out to try to try and make it to the NHL, dude. He's going for it. The two things I felt in this initial 10 minutes outside of Gordon Bombay just weirding me out in a hockey uniform, <laughs> one, we already talked about it. It, it seeing all these kids skate around on skates, it made me like want to get out and roller skate again. I I felt the roller same blade. way. I was like, I'd love to blade. Yeah, it made me want to blade hard. And then two, dude, the initial Ducks jerseys that Charlie's wearing and and they wore in D one. Those are some fire fucking threads. Agreed, man. The green and yellow. Yeah, I really. And the thing is with the jerseys, I'm you know I'm a jersey collector. I got. A lot of like, got some investments. I got like thirty autographed jerseys just waiting to go up on my future basement walls when we actually get a finished basement. Looking forward to that. I'm really looking forward to it. There's a lot invested. There's over ten thousand dollars invested in those jerseys. No big deal. No big deal. Yeah, and I'm not. I don't say that lightly. It crippled us financially. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, 3D. <laughs> um, so I gotta say though, I actually considered. Like when I was, when I've been perusing through eBay for more and more, cause I have a Jersey collecting addiction. I actually considered buying a Gordon Bombay signed Mighty Ducks. I was going to say, which Ducks Jersey would you buy? I mean, it would have to be either probably Charlie 96 Conway or Bombay. But dude, I really want to bet like banks. I love Adam banks. 99, 99. Yeah. I think that's a popular hockey number. I think the great one was 99. Yeah. You know what? Good point. Um, Bombay is 66. I remember seeing that. And I think that had to do with like Mario Lemieux. 
I know that name from playing uh, Wayne Gretzky 3D hockey on Nintendo 64. I believe he was also great, and I think his number was 66. Yeah, he was really good. But they the 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 thing is they got they get these uh, they get all the ducks, dude. They get all the ducks, and then point number two for me is the new recruits. We already talked about them though, but this this whole first portion of the movie, whether it's a montage like you said or it's just a very long scene, is essentially bringing together all the duck OGs and all the new kids. So okay, sorry, this is completely unrelated, but I was just looking through my notes and. As they're like playing hockey initially, the OGs, the duck OGs versus the new kids. I just had to listen to these sound effects they play when when these kids are playing hockey. It's like pew 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 pew. Yeah, Fulton's shots particularly make a lot of bullet noises. Fulton's steps when he walks up behind people too a lot of great sound effects and i couldn't tell if like those sound effects annoyed me or it actually made me like super invested in watching this. i enjoy good sound effects in a movie i'm i'm not looking for verisimilitude accuracy on those things what is that word strange flex i'm sorry i don't even know how to say it verisimilitude it means that your fiction uh mirrors real life this guy's a teacher folks that word sounded cool, so we'll go with it. I just, I have nothing to say no, about it. I gotta it look it up to make sure I'm right. <laughs> While you're looking that up, it, it, it's it's not just those... The appearance of being true or real, yeah. Okay, cool. So you nailed it. It's not just the sound effects on when they actually you know are hitting the pucks, like pew, 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 like cartoon gunshots, <laughs> but it's also like when they're skates... Yeah, it's, it's like... Uh, you know the sound effects they put on swords when you're like unsheathing a sword, like shing. Yup, <laughs> it's exactly like that. I, whoever the sound effects guy is on this movie, like I kind of do think he crushed it, and and he had his work cut out for him. Like every single cut, he had to like embed a sound effect. It's not just the turns; it's the starting off too when they're digging into the ice yeah. to get going. I look as a guy who who deals, you know primarily in inserting sounds into software technologies like myself as a professional podcaster. I just, I noticed it and I was like, damn, I know how long it takes me to like edit this pod and insert like audio, whether it's clips or just like little sound bites or whatever. And so I was like, damn, must be cool. Like getting paid to do that. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. You're the kind of guy when you watch the Academy Awards, you watch all the awards. You don't just, no, I'm not, but yes, I know what you mean. (laughs) <laughs> I know exactly what you're trying to say there. I wish I did, but I don't. Number three. Okay. I said this earlier. We would come back to this. This whole, th- there's like a couple different through lines to this plot of this movie. But one of the big ones is this like lose yourself to corporate greed. And, you know, Coach Bombay is feeling it the most and and he like succumbs to it a lot uh with like the hendrix sponsorship and all that so his saving graces charlie conway pure right michelle mckay the teacher pure they're pure i'm gonna play a clip of charlie like he was uh the first moment where he was kind of objecting a little bit to the whole team usa and corporate shit that was coming into the mix Nice, Coach, but 
We're ducks. This stuff says Hendrix all over it. Well, yeah, they're our sponsors, Charlie. So what? Can't we be USA ducks? Or at least keep our own colors. It's business stuff, Charlie. Don't worry about it. So I was conflicted on this because, like, I love it. Charlie Conway, he's pure. He's the purity. He wears, you know, have they have, like, chastity belts. That, that Charlie's wearing a chastity belt. No, but it's it's purity belt. Oh yeah, no. He, I was gonna say he's probably too cool for that. Yeah, he's he's wearing a purity belt, and I get it. He's the heart. I'm I'm all in. I love Charlie Conway, but then I'm conflicted because I'm like, well, Charlie, come on, Charlie, Charlie, like it's Team USA. You're playing for your country. That's still cool. You can be the ducks with your friends later, buddy. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> what the fuck, dude? We we get it when we're in Minnesota and we're just crushing the local like Adina regional championship match against the Blackhawks. Uh, you're the ducks. But at this yeah. point, we're now gathering the best junior kids in the entire country, you know, from Texas and Maine and Kenny Wu. And <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> and like, so I, I mean, I don't know. I didn't, th- they I, wanted to make it very clear that identity was the core theme conflict of this movie. Right. I know for, and, it was, it's identity for Bombay identity for the hockey player kids, all of them dealing with identity issues. I get that, and I'm all on board for that message. I guess I just wish they would have shown like shown it a little differently, like didn't no, it that in part a was different a way. Ridiculous. Yeah, like, where it's like I don't know, Charlie. Like you signed up for this guy. Like you all signed up to play for your country, like Team USA. Like you all signed up for it. Why now are you like pissed off that your local Minneapolis logos and colors aren't being used on the fucking? Team I, just USA cho- I just chose to ignore that part. Be like, yeah, sure. Charlie's right. Right. Even though it <laughs> yeah, make sense. That's what they do is they, this movie just sucks you in. Like no Keep matter, moving, yeah. no matter what Charlie says, you're just like, Oh God, I love Charlie so much. You're he's, right. You're right. He's probably right. But yeah, anyways, and that might be in the nit to pick category. A, yeah, you're picking. I'll tell you what is not up for debate though. And that is number four here. The Iceland coach, coach Wolf. What's Wolf? The dentist. The dentist. What up? fucking magical evil nickname yeah he's always messing up people's teeth that's a hockey thing pure evil dude i'm just gonna play this clip of the iceland coach so you can get a taste of it we haven't formally met i'm gordon bombay coach of team usa i know my competition i know you yeah but do you know the real me <laughs> full of confidence cocky american I like that. It'll make our triumph even more enjoyable. Your triumph? Lighten up a little bit. We're all just here to have a little... A little fun, right? Don't you worry. We will. We will. <laughs> Cocky, that's the American way. I like that. We're gonna fucking rail you on the ice. Like he's always it's talking. Out of, it's like that. uncalled for. He's. I. I was thinking this must have been a trope with '90s villains because I swear to God, like all villains in the '90s, they just talk like this. It's real light, Hank. 
sitting here in this podcast studio. I just you, you sound bad. Shit eating grin on your face. I don't like you. I'm gonna fucking rip that smile right off your face, you fucking piece of shit. I feel attacked. Oh, cool Coors Light you got in your hand. What an a-hole move. So, it's that voice, like a Steven Seagal, like, what are you oh, doing shit. here? What are you doing here in my dojo, you little bitch? Get out of my dojo. That? I don't know what to say when you <laughs> talk like that. That plus the other ingredient, slicked back hair. Bombay imitates that hair. Did you notice exactly. that? Exactly. Yeah. As soon as Bombay goes to the dark side, it's like, okay, it's simple. You slick back the hair, and you put him in a suit, and now evil. He's bad Bombay. Bad Bombay, <laughs> dude. You should have gone as bad Bombay for one for your Halloween costume you're talking about. Yeah, man. Like, fuck the, uh, the Breakfast Club, kid. Halloween's tough, man. It's tough. Some people are good at it. Yeah, some people are. Not everyone can crush like a lady costume when everyone else is doing the standard Mighty Duck outfits. <laughs> Not everyone can do it. You were a hilarious chick. Was that Becky? Yeah. All right. Yeah. But anyways, I, I just love I, this guy. I love the characters who are pure evil. No layers, like no redeeming qualities. This guy, again, it's been said. I'll say it again. He wakes up out of. He wakes up. He gets up in his evil bed in the morning. He takes his evil body to the bathroom. Kills a couple rabbits. Kills a couple rabbits. He drinks a cup of really evil Folgers coffee in the morning, and then he pees evil right out of that wiener. It just flows right out of his wiener. It's evil pee. Mm. No layers. It's steaming. Steaming evil pee. Coming out of his he cheap shots Bombay. Winner. Bombay gets cheap shotted twice in this movie. I'm a little disturbed by the amount of cheap shots in this movie. What kind of lessons are we teaching the kids in the '90s? That was the perfect segue for you to fucking do right there, dude. That was perfect. Number five on my Sagan list. Sagan ways. Sagan ways by you. Number five on my list. Cheap shot by fucking the Iceland player when these two play each other, and I it it made me think. Is this movie on the Mount Rushmore of kids sports movie cheap shots. So Little Giants had one. That's on, on the list. Yeah. Junior. I wrote Floyd. A, yeah. Yes. Spike. This one has way too many cheap shots, which made me want to ask you, have you ever done something you're not proud of in a sports game? Have you done a cheap shot? <sighs> Probably. I just can't. Uh... I think everyone's done the like, you get frustrated or mad and you might like push someone a little bit after the play. Or... I'm not talking about that. I, I've That's never. Normal. Yeah, I've never done like a I am aggressively trying to injure someone post play. Yeah, neither have I like that. That is that's why I want to get into this Mount Rushmore because it's so egregious. Even the most like villainous people don't. I mean, you don't see it that much. So for for me, you mentioned it. Number one is Junior Floyd getting speared by Spike in Little Giants. I mean that that cheap shot that was after the play in the back in the back like fucking bullshit. That's one. This movie, I'll just combine them into one. But there were there were multiple. There was the the cheap shot on Banks, which egregious. Just stick across the wrist. Banks just scored again. I mean, Iceland in the first game, they kill Team USA. They decimate them. They win like 12 to 1. I mean, it's slaughter fest. And Banks had the lone goal because he's good. He's sweet, dude. Love Banks. And as his wrist is out, the kid just comes by post play 
and fucking rakes the hockey stick across his wrist. Pretty sure you call that a slash. It is. That is. I feel like that kid, the Iceland kid, would just be banned from hockey for life for doing that. The refs were bad in that game. They're bad. They're they're really bad. Uh, missed a lot of calls. But the there's then the second one I was talking about. Wait on this. It's the one on one with Coach Wolf, the dentist, who cheap shots the fuck out of just Bombay. Just hits Bombay in the knee with a stick. Yeah. Pause on that. Okay. So, Little Giants. This. And then I was thinking through it. I'm like, what other ones would go on here? Karate Kid, dude, the leg sweep at the end of Karate Kid one, and the Jaden and the Jaden Smith one. I think people argue that the crane kick was just as illegal, but well, go ahead. Okay, but for the purposes of this, the crane kick wasn't cheap though. It was a move that people might have thought was legal, and it wasn't. But (laughs) the the move on the Karate Kid, it was clearly like a cheap shot. He was trying to hurt him. Trying to hurt him. That's the thing. He's trying to hurt him. Yeah. Okay. So that's three, and then. I can only find wild card. Can I interject here? Yeah. I didn't put any thought into this. The intentional missed block by that D bag, Gary Bertier's friend, whose oh. name I don't even remember that gets rev hurt. Ray. That's actually a good one. Yeah. Let's put that in here because so the only the, that, well, let's, let's just lay them all out and let's pick the top Mount Rushmore. So there's that, that would be number four potentially. And then, I put dodgeball dude, White Goodman, when he throws that ball at that girl's face, right when she's already she's walking out of bounds, she's already out, and then he just rockets the ball right at her face. Anything that brings dodgeball in, I'm good for it. And then the last one that I could think of was Blades of Glory, if you saw that with Will Farrell. No. Um this one was just an honorable mention. The Will Arnett takes a pearl necklace and throws a pearl on the ice at the end and it clips <laughs> Will Ferrell's skate and he like breaks his ankle. Yeah, that's pretty villainous. So I think we, we got to put, I think Spike with Junior Floyd has to be on there. Um, dude, this, the Sanderson on, on uh, Adam Banks in this movie, I think we need that. It he, was so long after the goal too. Yeah, And he tried to legitimately rip his arm in two. So I, I think those two... And then, so then it really comes down to dodgeball, karate kid, and remember the Titans for the final two spots. Why don't, why don't we just go karate kid and remember the Titans and keep dodgeball off? That's fine with me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a good ad by you on the remember the Titans one. Ray did totally miss those blocks on purpose and Rev broke his arm. Not cool. Not cool move. That was a podcast movie on this, on this very pod too. Number six, the quote-unquote finding your way portion of this movie. Let's break down how everyone finds their way, dude. Because everyone loses it. Everyone loses their way. In the Iceland game, dude, we, you already talked about it. Coach Bombay, he showed up and he was slick back hair. He's trying to be cool as fuck. He's got a nice fitted suit. Everyone lost their way. How do the kids How do the kids get their way back? Um, street ball. Oh, yeah. Streetball. Yeah, streetball gets them. The street hockey teaches the kids pride, love of the game again. Yeah. So it's consistent. And toughness. Because remember, they're teaching Ken Wu how to like, you I know. I love that part. Yeah. Throw down. I actually, underrated performance by Russ's brother in this movie. Agreed. Like when they, when they, he teaches them like streetball toughness. And when they're walking away, he's like, go team USA. Go get them. 
Like, and then it's like, damn, dude. You knew, you knew it was on then. Yeah, you knew it was on. Um, so, yeah, they, they get toughness. And then how does Bombay get it? Bombay finds his way. He gets together with Jan or Han, who fucking knows. And he takes more of the philosophical approach as Jan tells him this. On TV, you look like a man who needs a friend. Hey, you don't understand. Gordon. When I told the Goodwill Committee who you were, I did not talk to them about your good looks. I didn't tell them you would win at any cost. I told them you were a man who loves the game. And I told them you were a man who could teach the kids about more than just winning or losing. I told them you were the Minnesota Miracle Man, and only you could teach them to fly so be that man be that man Gordon Bombay dude he's got to be alone for this you know oh he's got to go skate by himself skate it out skate it out alone like sunset and just you and the skates dude Jan says, on TV, you look like a man who needs a friend. Yeah. While he's coaching. Yeah, so Jan, his like Yoda or whatever, gives him that advice. Bombay's just, dude, that's some me work he's got to do, you know? There was some crappy coaching from Bombay. He turned to threats. He's like, if you guys lose this game, like, whoa, coach. That's not how he coaches. Don't talk to kids that way, man. It's not how he coaches. Um, I've lost myself in the coaching darkness a time or two, and... So That's what weird. what would be how would you find when you find yourself as a coach losing your way to the darkness and you know beating kids physically yelling at 14 and 15 and 16 year old kids and beating them physically when you find yourself beating those kids never beat a kid physically but yeah sure go on but when you do yep what do you do to find your way back do you do what the kids do and you go play street ball <laughs> Yeah, I just I go skated out like Bombay did exactly what Bombay did. That's what I do. Okay, so you you wouldn't go mix it up on the local street ball hockey courts of West LA. You would actually just go skate by yourself. Mm-hmm. I'd go blade the Lunken Loop yeah. and and just find yourself that way. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool, dude. Iceland coach versus Bombay. This is what we were talking about. Rematch, earlier. second match, or one on one, one on one style, crossbar, crossbar. Post. Three crossbar. Three bar. Three bar. Uh, what a fucking scene in this movie. I had completely forgotten about this. So coaching kids, they found themselves. They're back to having fun, dude. Not practicing at all. The the They played Whoop, There It Is during the... Uh, by they the way, did. Great song. Scoop. There. Sorry. They get back. Uh, they, they find their way. All that shit. And... Iceland dude now comes in to like take the practice over and they don't like looking at these kids like having fun and stuff. Oh yeah. I remember that part. Coach Wolf, the dentist challenges Bombay to a mono mono little three bar match. One-on-one hockey. I'm not sure how this works. You have to hit the left post, the right post and the crossbar at the top. Or the, the, the one in the middle, the center or the one there. Oh, okay. 
but you can't hit the net is the point. These guys are so rock solid. They don't need nets. They hit bars. It's pretty impressive. It's a cool game. I love this scene, though. I, I just thought it was amazing. I mean, clearly it was body doubles uh, skating. <laughs> you can just see it. They kept like Bombay was wearing a hat. And so anytime they would like show the guy up close, like skating well, like the guy had his hat down. Their dress was perfect. Bombay went back to wearing a backwards hat, a hoodie. Yeah. Where instead of the slick back hair in the suit, that his his costume reflected his character well. I just it was such a awesome like one on one battle going back and forth and dude there was no other way for this to go than like Bombay was winning obviously like good beats evil but fucking dentist the dentist comes in and just hammers down on that knee clip One more post and you go home crying. By the way, Stanton, you owe me a beach ball. Pure evil one in that moment. Pure evil one, dude. Cheap shot of the century. I started getting sick of cheap shots. I think I've said that already. Like, <laughs> this movie may have too many cheap shots. That cheap shot, Bombay is like he gets around Wolf and he's going in for the goal, and Wolf comes in from behind and just like slams the the stick on like his knee from behind and like cripples him. Stick sports. Or crazy, you're wielding a stick, giving kids sticks. It's got to be very tempting to hit people with them. Yeah, I mean, it probably is, but fucking <laughs> such an intense stick hit. Anyways, I, I just overall, this is my next point, and it's real quick. I just think the quality of hockey play in this movie, and I know that it's probably mostly like body doubles and stuff. But because you can get away with it, because you can wear the the helmets and stuff, football too, football as well. But I, as a non hockey guy, it felt strong to me. Like I wasn't, I don't know. I bet hockey people would watch this and be like, "Oh no, that's not technically." They were pretty tight shots, so you it was like only one or two skaters in the frame, so those shots did well, but you couldn't see the hockey happening like the rest of the ice. Yeah, and I, I'm speaking out of school a little bit because if it's like a basketball movie, I can like quickly spot like, oh, no, 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 no. But um, in hockey, I just don't have that ability to be like, what the fuck was that formation? Same here. But it looked, I mean, I was in. I was in too. I was I was thinking that while I was watching it, but also like I, I'd love to see a little bit more of the game here. It's I did notice that they were all rather tight shots. Well, check out that show Beartown, dude. I'm telling you, Beartown HBO. That show is like hockey. I've heard podcasts where like hockey people have said this is like the best like actual like hockey they've ever seen on a TV show. And they were actually convinced they didn't have actors. They actually had hockey players that were like just trying to act versus actors who were trying to play hockey. That's quite a claim. Yeah. So it, it was legit. I think you'd like it. And it's like super intense. It gets in like, there's tons of shit. You sound pretty into this. Yeah. It's really good. 
you know, it also is really good. Uh, my second to last one here, the halftime speech. So is this the reconciliation speech? We're now we're now just at the championship game. Let's go there. Championship game. They're down at the half and they're playing a lot better. That first game against Iceland went horribly. At least now they're in the mix. So, but they're still down at the half. I want to say it's like five to one, five to two or something at the half. And we get a nice little halftime speech by Coach Bombay. We're not goons. We're not bullies. No matter what people say or do, we have to be ourselves. You. Who are you? Dean Portman. From where? Chicago, Illinois. Who are you? Julie Gaffney from Bangor, Maine. Greg Goldberg, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Les Averman, Brooklyn Park, Minnesota. Adam Banks, Dinah, Minnesota. Dwayne Robertson, Austin, Texas. Michelle McKay, Duluth, Minnesota. And I'm Gordon Bombay, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Yeah! We're Team USA, gathered from all across America. And we're going to stick together. You know why? Because we are ducks, and ducks fly together. That's right, Jan. And just when you think they're about to break apart, ducks, ducks fly, fly together. together. And when the wind blows hard and the sky is black, ducks, ducks fly together. And when everyone says it can't be done, ducks fly together. Now, new ducks and old ducks must unite under a new banner. And I thought perhaps something like this. It's really good, but it it's a I would say a notch below Little Giants. Like the the halftime Little Giants speech that got me going. That I'm jacked. Now this one I was up, like I was into it, but I wasn't as jacked. I, I was maybe like eighty percent there. I have written down uh, Bombay's reconciliation speech. That speech was super underwhelming. I, I wrote down. I didn't even write down anything for this halftime speech. Yeah, I mean, it's just, again, it's just about don't lose yourself. We're ducks. We stick together. We we are never going to sell out, you know, and play the Iceland game. Like, it's not what we do. Even if we lose, like, to Charlie's whole thing, we're we're... It's pride. We play for pride. I'm underwhelmed. Yeah. It, that's why I don't even want to use the word underwhelmed because that feels like too much. We were whelmed. <laughs> I don't know. I tried to keep track of like what I what what Bombay's lessons were, and it was not a great looking list. Okay, so we'll go to you on this because you are a teacher of the kids, and if you if the if the Bombay inspirations were not resonating with you, then that's that's points off. I would love to love the Bombay lessons. I know you do. We both do. Yeah. So I'm going to still keep sticking to, I'm not completely off. I'm just, I'm not at little giant status of being jacked up. Correct. That's du- where I'm ducks at. do fly together. That gets me fired up. And that's an important lesson for kids. Identity, believe in yourself and whatnot. But yeah, I expect more from Bombay. We just wanted a little more out of Bombay. Um, one picking nit on this scene, they get to change their jerseys at the half to like, all right, you know what? Fuck Team USA. Yeah. <laughs> fuck the USA. We're not. Fuck that corporate bullshit. We're no longer going to do it. We're going to put on our Ducks jerseys. And they go out for the second half in Ducks jerseys. No chance. 
Hockey's three periods, by the way. There is no halftime. Oh, sorry. My bad. Is this uh, in between period two and three then? Probably. Yeah, I think so. My bad. Good catch. Picking nit on me as a podcaster. Way to go by you. I would say there's just no way. There's no way that a Team USA, like you're playing France or something in the championship game and just like coming out into the final period, you you don't have to wear your USA versus France jerseys. You can just wear your local Minneapolis Ducks jerseys. I agree with you on that. We already talked about Charlie saying, we're the Ducks coach. Like, no, that's kind of silly, but you just ignore it in the universe of yeah. this movie. It's like, okay, fine. They're the Ducks. It's 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 the thing I struggle with as a 33-year-old. That's it. It's the big difference between being 33 watching this and, and eight is those things are harder for me to let slide. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's why it goes from a hundred percent, which is what I thought it was when I was eight into a 20% movie. (laughs) (laughs) All right, dude, this movie, it gets tied up. We go to the end of the game. It is a shootout. We have, I was writing it down. How this shootout goes. Jesse scores one. All right, Jesse. Nice, Jesse. They tie. 1-1. One, one. Guy Germain gets up there. He's probably all jacked up from making out with that girl. He scores. Two. Goldberg save. 2-1. Who who makes the second shot? Guy Germain. Who's he? He's the one making out with that chick at the beginning. Keith. He, I thought his name was Keith. No, it's Guy Germain. Guy. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, nice job. Guy. <laughs> all right, dude. Uh, Cowboy gets, so now it's 2-1 in this shootout because Goldberg saves. Cowboy gets up. This guy blows ass. He does some pointless fucking cowboy jerking around with the puck. He The, the puck is airborne. I, why is the puck not just on the ice when you're skating towards the goalie? He's like just... I don't see the, the tactical advantage that that gives you. I guess goalies don't save a lot of shots hit from that trajectory. But he. Do, but the thing is, is when he shoots it, he puts it back down on the ice. Okay, so then it's pointless. Yeah, he's he's just batting it up and down on his fucking hockey stick pointlessly. Showboat. Showboat, idiot, bitch! I hate this fucking cowboy. Obviously, he misses. I don't like him either. He's he gets to be a hero and yeah. The game well, earlier well, when he lassos that dude. We'll get to him in the yeah. awards, but let's just say we're not going to be favorable to this idiot. They <laughs> score two two tie. Fulton gets up there. Obviously, dude, he smokes it in there. Smokes it classic Fulton badass stuff. Love a slap shot. They tie it up 3-3. Okay, so now we come down to the final shot. Banks, dude. Obviously, you're going to have Banks as the anchor on this. Triple, I mean, triple deke? I think he triple deked. <laughs> I, I'm i pretty sure. I mean, I was counting. I definitely counted two deeks. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, Bank, or Bombay told him this goalie's flashy. He's oh. going to go for the glove save. Oh, so did he only like two and a half deke his ass? I, I think it was more just oriented on stick side versus glove side. Okay, so he then didn't it was get, on the deeks. He didn't even get deeks involved. It wasn't involved. about the deeks. <laughs> okay, so he got he got no deeks involved. He was yeah. just going stick versus glove side. Love yeah. that. Uh, fucking boom, Adam Banks. Continue to love this kid. This kid, he's he going places. Enough, he didn't get enough love like adam banks kicks some serious fucking ass there wasn't much development in this movie it was just a lot of montages and sequences with music i mean but underrated for him like i know we we praise charlie conway's like all heart and you know we love it but i mean banks got his wrist shredded dude he tries to play through injury i love that scene where 
Bombay tries to make him turn the stick all the way over. Couldn't do it. But he tried to play anyways. Broke him to pieces. This guy loves hockey, dude. I mean, Adam Banks, underrated guy of this film. Uh, then how this movie ends, Julie the Cat, dude, from Bangor, Maine, comes in there, get Goldberg's fat ass out, get Julie the Cat in, fucking guy comes in, this Gunner This is the flashy Stahl. guy who's going for the glove side. Oh. it up. Okay, so. She tells, he tells Julie the Cat, hey, he's going to go glove side. He's like, that's, I think that's a cooler goal to score oh. as opposed to stick side. Damn, dude, you had me all sold on that with Adam yeah. Banks. So Banks he, was deking. Di- yeah, yeah, Banks is deking. me. Yeah, Banks deked. He deked the fuck out of it. He probably triple deked. I mean, that's <laughs> Bombay's move. Okay, Julie the Cat. Yeah, that makes sense. This guy wants to go flash. He's going to go like, I'm going to get this sweet goal right past her glove versus yeah. her stick. Um, Dude, total badass move. After she saves it and wins the game, she like dropped that puck out of the glove like a mic drop situation, you know? It's just like she just stood there all stone faced and then just lifted her glove up and plop. <laughs> and everyone went crazy because they didn't. It was it was, it was cool. suspenseful. It was cool. Yeah, it was cool for she us. She should have played more. The cat. She had uh, those fast cat hands. So you see that in D three, it it pretty much comes out in D three that Goldberg is just pure trash in the net, and Julie the cat just becomes the goalie full time. Should have happened earlier. Should have happened earlier. I mean, again, Bombay's sleeping on that one. Let's blame Bombay because clearly she's got a faster glove and stick, and she's not fat idiot in the goal like Goldberg. Yeah, she's a cat. She's quick as fuck. <sighs> Coach the Wolf Dentist, real piece of shit. I wonder what happened to that guy. Like, what do you think? Let's. What do we think happened to him in life? So he goes back to Iceland, probably a failed idiot. Didn't yeah. even win the Junior Olympics, dude. What an it's idiot. It's the Goodwill Games. <laughs> Didn't even win the Goodwill Junior Games. What a dumbass well, failure. He played in the NHL, right? So he probably... Uh, a disgrace stint in the NHL. He probably just keeps on coaching and having a bad influence on kids' lives. I, yeah. Yeah. I bet he went... I, I have a feeling like the visual I get of him is he's one of those guys that's just like getting really drunk... And talking about the good old days all the time, but like at a weird level to where everyone's like, dude, guy, like at some point, like we've heard all your stories. Just making and everyone uncomfortable. Yeah, now it's just getting like pathetic. Like you so don't live in the present that it's just sad. And that just, anyways, that's how I feel about him. Okay. Are we ready to do it? end this pod with all of our awards for this movie? Yes. Okay, let's kick it off with the Ryan Phillippe Practice Hero Award. It's easy to sum it up when you just talk about practice. We sitting here, we in here talking about practice. We talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We talking about practice. We talking about practice, man. Practice. I mean, how silly is that? What are the defining characteristics of this award? Great setup question by you for all the people who are not as familiar. Practice your award that uh, Ryan Phillippe is famous for is the guy or gal who is going 150% at all times, like in a practice setting. They're not saving it for games, and you're just so curious why they're going so fucking hard. Like a Ryan Phillippe in every movie he's ever had. This one feels pretty easy. So let me list out, I'm going to list out some nominees and you tell me where you would go here. 
Number one, I had Don Tibbles on there, the Hendrix hockey spokesman. That guy was a squirmy little bitch. Mr. Tibbles. Mr. Tibbles was a real fucking piece of work. Did not like him. I put Goldberg and Russ, Keenan Thompson on here as well because they're just extra. Like always with the fucking quips, like always with the fucking banter. Like times I just wanted them to shut the fuck up. But then to me, the winner of this, and it's it's not even close. Go ahead. You say first. So, all right. Well, the two guys I hated the most were Averman and the Cowboy, Dwayne. Okay, so on the I think you know what Averman. I think let's put both of them in this consideration for the because doing, doing too much. Yeah, the way you I, describe the award, I'm going with Dwayne the Cowboy on this one. I don't know how I missed fucking Averman. That's a big miss. By Why me. is he even on the team? I don't know. It, he it, takes like three faceoffs. He loses them all. He's just like a faceoff guy. He loses every faceoff. I don't know why he's on the team. He, 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 I. So, for me, the MCITW is like this character just like gets under your skin, and it's it's more of just like I hate this person. I hate them in my loins. Like I fucking hate, and, and the the reason you call it the MCITW is because it's like that's Marissa Cooper to me. It's just like everything she does, I fucking hate and i would always do the opposite decision of every decision she'd ever make the ryan Phillippe is more just like that the guy who's like picking you up in practice full court like it's more of an annoyance and like a confusion on why they're they're doing what they're doing okay um so anyways that does help i for me it was the cowboy Dwayne Dwayne robertson he's the definition of extra and practice hero like Nothing he did was actually helping him score goals or like advance the puck like you would as like a starter in a game. It would all be about how do you like score goals in advance? Everything just like was flashy and like looked cool in practice. That was a weird. I feel like that was just a weird time in American history in the early 90s there where like our American patriotism was strangely mixed with like Texas pride and we felt like we couldn't have a Team USA without having a Texas character. And I don't know enough about Texas. You might have to ask our friend Farmer Ehrlich about this one. But that guy, I'm fine with that pick. It's just like a niche. They did it with all their picks, though. All their picks of other kids were like, oh, this is the... They were all stereotypes. This is the LA kid, the street kid from LA. This is the Texas cowboy who wears a hat instead of a helmet playing hockey. Confused. Uh, so anyways, that's why I give the Ryan Phillippe... The next award is a new award. Um, the Chevy Chase, I don't want to fucking be here award. This is the award where it's just very clear that this person, the actor, just did not want to be there. Oh. I This one was tough because yeah. it's a kid's movie and everyone seems kind of bought in. I had one, though, that I was looking at. Um, Luis. And now, remember, this is Benny the Jet from Sandlot. Yeah, man. He's got some star power. I mean, I looked it up. Sandlot came out in 1993, one year before this movie. So, Benny the Jet is legitimately fresh off of being one of the biggest badasses of all time as Benny the Jet Rodriguez Mm -hmm. in Sandlot. And now he's like just some tertiary side piece. Who can't stop. Character. 
Yeah, who's like f- the the fast kid who can't stop, who got maybe like seven and a half total minutes of screen time in this movie. All of these characters are flat characters. None of them are well-developed. <laughs> I know. So then I was just looking at like, none of them are well-developed, but who had the most coming into this to lose? And it seems like the kid who played fucking Benny the Jet, dude. I'm fine with that. Uh, I can't think of, there's not, it's not a big cast. Like I, I don't, I can't think of any characters who fit that description too well for this movie. It was tough. The only other Maybe one. Maybe Bombay. <laughs> No, I just, this is like his thing, dude. This is like what carried him through the 90s. Like he was he was part of the 80s brat pack. He's he's part of the 80s like Breakfast Club, St. Elmo's Fire, all those movies. John Huston movies? Yeah, and this movie like carried him through the 90s. It's his vehicle. So I felt like he wanted to be there. The only other one I had in consideration was uh the Iceland chick. She looked like that sucks dude if if like i don't know what her angle was was she trying to infiltrate bombay or did she truly want to have a ice cream date with him i don't know but it's like god damn like one you hang out with this evil dentist all day every day <laughs> and then your your cherry on top of the sunday like your your awesome night out is just with like five foot six emilio estevez like on an ice cream date with the enemy i don't know why did Team America not have a trainer when Iceland had a trainer? They probably should have a trainer with all the fucking cheap shots they're taking to their knees and wrists. Like they're definitely going to need some medical attention. Um, okay, picking nits. We've already talked about this first one. Emilio Estevez is one step away from the NHL. I just I never bought into that narrative. It's just not him, dude. Not Emilio. I I didn't much have a problem with that one. Honestly, he is small. You know, another thing about this, I just thought of this. He is 32 when he did this movie. How sad is that to think about that right now in life, we are essentially two years older than Gordon Bombay. I don't like that. That's tough. That's real tough. (sighs) I mean, Gordon Bombay is like, a perennial like forever a 50 year old in my head i i think teenagers like the kids that i teach and coach i think i'm an old guy in their eyes there's there's no young guy there they're fully convinced i'm old yeah i think anyone over the age of 25 to anyone in high school or college you're essentially like you might as well be a 45 50 year old like it's just all in the same camp and it's just it sucks because it's like, goddamn, now when you get to like 33, 34 and you're looking back on your childhood movies at like the adult figure and you realize you're older than he it was, it's like, fuck. I'm not as wise as Bombay, even though I was underwhelmed by his wisdom in this movie. <laughs> I'm not as wise. Yeah. I mean, we're. I don't think either of us are anywhere near being as wise. And, and yeah, we were underwhelmed. <laughs> Charlie, had, it. Charlie had the wisdom in this one. Okay, second picking net. That one was just depressing. Number two. Would the flying V ever work? I don't know. I did find myself wondering that too. It didn't work in this movie. It got blown up. Yeah. I, I, that, I'm not exactly sure what the rules of hitting are in hockey. Like when the Bash Bros were out there, sometimes they were just trucking people. Um, That's a big gap for me with watching these hockey movies too. Is What's a foul? Yeah, like... Like I know in soccer, it's like, hey, you just can't come up from behind. You can't. You can slide tackle, but it's got to be from the front, not the back. 
I've got some lacrosse knowledge to draw on. Like hitting people with a stick, not okay. You have to hit their stick or their gloves. You can hit them. If you hit them with your shoulder into their shoulder, you can just hit people. So I don't see why you wouldn't just hit the flying V. There's some nuance to hockey rules. But yeah, Iceland, all they do is when they do this really stupid strategic move, which is you get in a flying V and it looks like you just pass the puck around in a V formation. As a team. As a team. Um, they just blow it up physically. And, and yeah, I think we just... I believe in D three they try and Charlie tries to get a flying V going a couple times and it's just it gets blown up immediately like at the high school level it's like yeah that's that, a pee wee move it's a pee wee move it stopped working at the age of eight um, last one and again we touched on this with Adam Banks the triple deke I, I'm not sure the triple deke is worth jack shit on the hockey ice I'm not sure about that either that move is. Looking at the triple deke, how how it's been explained in the Mighty Ducks movies yeah. is it's it's one deke left, two deke right. Yeah, but wait, so, what? Well, hold on. Yeah, wait, hold on. They don't see this one coming. Hold on. This is the deke that gets them. Yeah, because most people after deke number two, it's like well, they're obviously there could never be more dekes than that. Mm-mm, you gotta go. No, hold on. This is what made. Gordon Bombay it's a ballsy move one step away from the NHL at five seven soaking wet is you bring it back third deke that's that's backhand that's that, that might be why they don't expect it backhand deke number three and at that point the goalie's head is so close to just exploding no yeah too many deeks too many deeks like a goalie's head can only really fathom like a one or two deke and even sometimes two deeks will get it done yeah, sometimes a goalie will just start, you know that thing like when you throw up in your mouth a little bit, yeah. but it's not full throw up? Uh-huh. Like when like you little, get- Little reflux. When you get too deep, it's like, oh, oh, <laughs> like throw up in your mouth. But sometimes when you get three deep, it's like- It dribbles oh! out of your mouth onto your shoe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So those are my nits to pick. Um, new one, movie memorabilia. This is like, what do you picture when you think of this movie? What's like the lasting piece of memorabilia you, you'd want to take with you or, or that sticks in your crawl? I would like to go rollerblading through the mall with my friends in the 90s. That is not a memorabilia piece. That is like a whole thing. It's an experience. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't movie experiences. This is movie memorabilia. Then give me some blades, bro. All right. Blades for you. Yeah. Um, I had two options. Uh, one, I think the jerseys are iconic, and I'm a jersey guy, so I, jersey I, guy. I think any any jersey I'm I'm here for, especially those iconic first ones. And then number two, I might actually pick this one though. The duck whistle. Oh. That fucking quack duck whistle, dude. That was a nice thing added in for getting the team together. The duck dynasty. That's why the duck dynasty guys are rich, by the way, because they invented that whistle. And that's why they're millionaires. But go figure. Yeah. So I, I, I think I would go with the duck whistle as that's my movie memorabilia piece. I also liked the snapback uh, that I think Charlie was wearing at one point in Bombay War once he came back to being a good coach. Duck snapback. 90s snapback hats. Yeah. Those are kind of coming back too. Okay. 
Big one, MCITW. This is, as previously mentioned, the biggest piece of shit award for this movie. It's who we hated the most. It's brought to you by our fine sponsors, Wicklowware, W-I-C-K-O-W-Ware, Be Free and Explore. Get all your outdoor gear at Wicklowware.com. Type in promo code VL. Check out get 10% off your order kits. Slide into our DMs for all of our swag situations. We got plenty of them. Go there for all of it. MCITW, the character I hated the most in this movie. You know, dude, back to the throw up analogy. MCITW is all about like who makes you just like want to throw up the most, you know, like who makes you want to vomit like a Marissa Cooper in the OC. Okay. But in this movie, I didn't really have any one person that made me want to vomit like that. Like I had a lot of Ryan Phillippe nominees, a ton of them, like Averman and... And the fucking cowboy idiot, all those guys. Apparently, I was hating Averman when I watched this movie. I wrote him down for my MCITW. Well, so, so maybe that, if 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 you did aggressively hate him, then let's consider him here. I watched it last night, yeah. I hate, I was not liking Averman. I liked him in the first movie. I just did not like him in this movie. So that if if that's if that's how you feel that he should be he's consideration number one. Yeah, for when MCITW. he was on when he was on screen, I was hating it. Pure hate. Now. I didn't feel that way towards any characters. I actually felt that way towards a moment and towards a scene. And and specifically one thing that happened with Coach Bombay that made my stomach churn. Like when this moment happened, my stomach, like I immediately had to go take a dump because it just churned. Like my stomach, I saw it. I felt so sick hearing it and seeing it unfold that like I had to go poop. Okay, yeah. So you list a guy, I list a moment. It's when another cheap shot happens against Iceland and there's this clip from Coach Bombay contesting it. Dude, it, it's I just... I can remember his voice getting a little too high. Some people like can talk shit and some people can't like some people talk shit and they sound cool and and they're really good at it and then other people it's like dude you just can't like your voice is too high you're too small yeah, or like whatever JT is great at talking shit in sports games deep, and, and deep voice it might be a voice thing yeah because he's got a deep voice and I, I think it's like a lot of confidence that goes into it too like confidence disgust and like a deep voice <laughs> and I don't know. It's just Bombay did not have it. And listening to that clip made my stomach hurt so much. Like Bombay, just stay in your lane. Like you're the good vibes coach. You just want everyone to have fun and like you don't get riled up and all great. Like just that's your lane. Stay out of this lane. Yeah, his he sounds stupid. It's bad. Part. So I guess there's there's two options here. We could go with just the stomach hurting moment from Coach Bombay or Averman. I don't even remember why I hated Averman so bad, but it's all over my notes. <laughs> all right, do you want to just give it to Averman? Yeah, fuck him. Let's just say fuck him as a person and fuck Bombay talking shit. Well, it'll be a dual co-MCITW for this one. One for a moment, one for an individual. Fuck you both. Be free and explore. Brought to you by our fine sponsors, Wicklowware. Okay, final award. Wrap it all up. MVP of this movie that I will give you full... I'll just hand the reins over. Uh, McKay. Michelle McKay, the teacher. 
You're giving it to the lady. I'm giving it to the lady. Okay. And why is that? She's just what these kids needed. When Bombay lost his ways, she was there. When Charlie started to spread his wings, she was the wind beneath his wings. <laughs> when he was up there in the sky flying like a duck. He did she I will say she did not hesitate at all when it came time, you know, when Gordon was off skating, just him and the blades in the sunset finding mm-hmm. himself. She stepped in and she coached a game. Coached the fuck. It kind of made me feel for a second like do we even need Coach Bombay? Because she came in and just completely owned. Well, Charlie was her right-hand man, so her and Charlie yeah. had it. Yeah, by the way, and you tried to bring that up earlier. Charlie did a, a cool move, and this is actually one of the reasons why I, I, I don't think it would have been crazy to have Charlie in consideration for the MVP because going into the championship game, Banks is coming back from his wrist injury and they don't have enough roster spots. And Charlie does just completely bow out because it's like, this is what's best for the team. And I'm just sitting there screaming, get Averman out. (laughs) God damn. (laughs) Like what the fuck? I know Charlie isn't the best one on the team, but, but he's definitely better than Averman guys. Garbage. He misses a rebound right in the front of the goal. Averman is just trash. Just pure trash. Averman might be the only one that they didn't get like uh, a good skating body double for like the actor. (laughs) They just kept the actual actor who's uncoordinated, like skating around like an idiot. But all that, all that aside, you, you liked the, uh, I was a big fan trainer. I've been out of coaching now for a couple years, just straight teaching these days. So maybe I'm, that's just, you know, personal hang up here. I'm vibing with the teacher a little bit more than the coaches, but that's, that's where my heart's at. Okay, what's her name? Michelle McKay. Michelle McKay. She had a Rhymes crazy. Rhymes with Bombay and Conway. Whoa, she also had a crazy accent. Um, very, very. Uh, was that Minnesota accent? It's, it's got to be. It had the O's to it. I don't know if it was Minnesota or it was just like a hard Chicago accent. Yeah, she did have an accent though. Kids, write in vicariouslivingpod at gmail.com or slide into our Instagram DMs. Tell us where that accent's from. We'll see when the kids write in. All right, dude. Any other thoughts from you or are you ready to wrap it all up? I'm ready to wrap. Wrap time for those kids. Kids, thanks for coming along. This is perfect for the kids, dude. Kids love kid movies. So this is perfect for them. But kids, you know what time it is. It's wrap time. It's sleepy time. Time to tuck on in. Have a really good night. Sleep kids and hank what do we tell those kids uh sleep tight and what else clear eyes full hearts do less kids do way less you can follow us on instagram at vicarious living podcast and listen to all of our episodes on itunes spotify stitcher and soundcloud You know you found us when you find a picture of Pat and I sitting on a couple rocks overlooking the vast landscape that is Laguna Beach. Steven's there. Just not pictured. Steven and Elsie. Both there. Just not pictured.